The following is a presentation of the Queen's Sports Network. It's an upset of seismic proportions. Down goes the reigning champs. If it's fair, it's God, and it is God. Six nothing Queens. The Royals are still the kings of the Southeast region. Welcome in. This is episode 12 of the Queen's Coaches Show podcast. I'm Phil Constantino. Our guest today, head women's basketball coach Sarah Jansen, who enters her fourth season here in Charlotte, coming off of a season in which the Royals won the most games that they have in six years. Good morning. Welcome, Sarah. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Uh, glad to be here. Uh, season opens in November, coming up. Um Year number four. Yeah, it's hard to believe. <laughs> right? I want to talk about a moment in January 2018. I think that your life changed personally. I also think it changed big time professionally. I think you know where I'm going with this. He has four legs. He's furry. He <laughs> likes to play fetch. His name is Gouda. Yes. Um, Gouda came into your life back in January of 2018, middle point roundabout of the 2017-2018 season. How did that change you personally and professionally? You know, it's crazy. I, I tell people I tell people all the time. Um, I think that my, uh, my four-legged cheese ball has made me a better person. Um, we, we always had dogs growing up, always had golden retrievers, but it was never my dog. I was never the one responsible. Um, and... I, when I tell my tell my coaching friends that I got a I got a puppy in the middle of the season, they all look at me like I've lost my mind. Um, but it was just something that I wanted to do, and um, it's like I tell I, I tell <laughs> tell my players, tell my friends all the time. You make you make time for what's important to you, and for me, I wanted to get a dog, and I was at the point where if I needed to go home and and let let him out or do what I needed to do, I was in a position where um, I have the flexibility to do that. He was six weeks old when you got him. No, Phil, you can't take a dog that early. How old? Eight weeks? Eight weeks, yes. Okay. Um, that means you had to actually train him? Yes. Well, that's debatable. Depends who you ask. If you ask my dad, he's still not trained. But yes. But that's long hours. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That is rushing home in the middle of the day every day to make sure he goes out. That is probably waking up in the middle of the night to mm -hmm. make sure that he goes out. Yeah. That's not easy, not to do in the middle of the season. No, but I, I mean, he's, um, I'm very careful about comparing my dog to someone's child. Um, but in a lot of senses, I mean, he's got to get up and have 2 a.m. Uh, potty breaks. And uh, it was always, every day is different. Just when you think you go home and you know what's what to expect, it's every day is different, whether it's a um, what did he, he ran upstairs yesterday and came down with a pair of shorts. Um, he'll, he'll let you know when he wants to play. He'll let you know when he wants to snuggle. Uh, he's, uh, last night he took up the whole entire bed. Um, but if this is my, if somehow my, um, off leash training company is listening, he does not sleep in my bed. That was just the one time thing. 
Um, but it, it, it's awesome. I mean, he's awesome. I, my girls are going to give me a hard time that we're even talking about him right now. I think they're – I could also plug his Instagram. It's all Gouda with uh, – all. all Gouda with three L's. Uh, he's adorable. Um, and, and some I think some of my players don't want to admit how adorable he is just because I say that he's cute. Your players have taken to him, though. He's yeah. become a mascot for the team of sorts. Most of them. Most of them. Who are his favorites? Oh, uh, uh, Herning. With it's well, Herning slash Kate. But I think Kate's the point where she'll admit that he goes he goes absolutely nuts over over uh, over Herning. And you bring Gouda to the office sometimes to spend time with no, him. No, he's not allowed in the office. He's, he's not, not in, the, in office. the office ever. He's never in you the office. You have them let Gouda he, out. He come runs play around in the lawn. Okay. Um, he'll when. Uh, if I can get the timing right, spring's usually better. We have a little bit more time in the spring. Um, and uh, Herding or Kate, um, they're probably the the two, I think, because they got to spend the most time with him when How he was How often do they get to spend time with him? Um, I think he's only been over here once or twice since they've been back. Actually, yeah, once or twice since since, uh, since uh, August, since they got back in school. Um, but they'll take him off to, to, the, um, to Freedom Park, walk back there. Um, it is quite terrifying, though, when you see a six-four uh, young woman flying down the street on her bicycle with my dog just running right next to her. Um, she she lets him let kind of lets him off leash more than more than she should, um, especially in the park. And she's just driving through the park with <laughs> with Gouda <laughs> chasing her along. It's 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 awesome. Back to when you got him. That was during a tough stretch. It was during a losing streak. It was before the wins started coming last season. But in my mind, that was a turning point for the program. In your mind, was it a turning point for the program? Not just for you personally, well, you know, but also for your team. Well, and that was that was two seasons ago. Um, and I'll, I'll never forget because I had um, former players of mine from Mars Hill came to the game. We played Lincoln Memorial. And I will never forget, uh, Ansley Ricker came up. They came up to the office after the game. I think that was the year it was a, we lost, it was a close game at home. Um, and uh, she said, Coach Jay, you did not tell me that you were playing Lincoln Memorial. I said, I, sorry, I didn't really. She said, if I would known you, that you were playing Lincoln Memorial, I would not have come. Because Lincoln Memorial was a team that, that knocked us out my last year at Mars Hill. Uh, knocked us, uh, we were the four seed, they were the five seed. Um, we lost them by three uh, at Mars Hill. Um, so I'll never forget they were here, and I was talking to them about, you know, I'm going to go get uh, I'm gonna go get a puppy that's happening this weekend. They're like, oh, no, Coach Jay, you've been saying that for years. So that was the weekend they were here, and I think it was before we played them on Saturday, and I think we played Lenore Ryan on Wednesday. And uh, my assistant at the time, Kristen, and I went and it was, it was either Gouda, we, were gonna, we had two options, um, and we went to go, go see Gouda. Um, and that was we didn't make it to the second <laughs> to the second choice. So, um, yeah, I think it was, um, you know, it's it's the, the whole time here has been everybody uses the word uh, word process and journey. But um, it's it's been it's been unbelievable to get to the point where we are. Even, you know, last week we had a, we had a big moment with our team and um, just really saw some people maturing I saw them taking ownership of changing and establishing our culture and what we want it to be, and they, they, we, we have a group of 
of sophomores and juniors, they can't pass the buck to anybody. They have to, it's, it's their responsibility to make sure that we continue to go in the right direction. So, um, you know, it's, 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 um, I guess we could all, we could maybe pinpoint it back to that week, uh, in the season two years ago. Um, that might be a bit of a stretch. Um, but I think, uh, it's, it's been an unbelievable experience so far here. And, and I'm really excited about, about this upcoming season and, and what the possibilities could be. Big moment last week? Last week. Yes, yes. What was that about? Um, just an everyday occurrence on the basketball floor that you have with your team. And um, I th- thought how we handled it was um, not a way that, uh, just in my experience, not a way that freshmen and, well, so be sophomores and juniors would have handled the situation, but they stepped up big time and um, were really mature about a situation that came up and, um, they handled it. I think that they felt good about it, um, and we're just we're we're trending in the right direction right here with with uh, preseason winding down. Gouda is one piece of your family that that is a big role, I think, in you in your life. Just period. Uh, your parents come to quite a few games. They'll make the <laughs> five hour or so trip down from Virginia. Uh, extended family will come as well. Your nephews have made the yep. bus ride to road games with the team. Uh, may have made an appearance or two on the Queen Sports <laughs> Network as well. Um, I've seen a lot of Jansons at a lot of games. Yeah, um, there's a lot of us. <laughs> what does the family support mean to you? Oh, it's – it's um, yeah, so I'm the second of four. And um, it was uh, – our house was um, – Mom, this is not in a bad way, but our house is pure chaos. Um, somebody was always coming, somebody was going to practice, somebody was eating dinner, somebody was not eating dinner. There were, no matter what the schedules were, we always found time, at least how I remember it. Um, we were always, um, sitting down and, and having dinner. And if it was just five of us that night, somebody would come running through the door, be a little bit late. But, um, when you grow up with the, with that big of a family, um, and, and we're so, so close in age, my, uh, my sister's three years, three and a half years older, and then my brothers are two years apart. So, um, grew up fighting and bickering with my my brothers a lot, and then well, but the brother closest in age. Um, and then well, now it's just it's just really cool to see how our relationship ha- has grown and evolved. And um, they're the first time. Anytime I get time to myself, that's the first thing I want to do. I want to go and uh, spend time with them. My <laughs> my parents were down here two weeks ago. I think they're coming back next week. Um, actually I'm going out, uh, going to see my sister and and her family moved to San Antonio. Um, my brother-in-law's in in the army. So, um, going out to see them before, uh, before we get cranked up here. Um, we're actually going to a Cowboys Packers game. So I'm excited about that. Um, so I won't get to go to San Antonio. We're going straight to Dallas. Um, and then my, my brother in California is coming out there to meet us. So um, we, we, we've always been a pretty close family and I've always done a lot of things together. Um, uh, my, my brother in Richmond, Steven, he's got three kids and, um, they have their hands full. They'll see, you'll see them run around there. Um, I think they'll be down for, we, we play the Saturday after Thanksgiving. So we're hosting or I'm host. well, Gouda and I are hosting, uh, Thanksgiving at, at my house for the family. My brother's flying in from California. So it's going to be all that. We're Jansons. They're, they're, we're everywhere. And, um, I think that's one thing about, about us that we do a pretty good job of, of supporting each other and just showing up and, and being there. And, um, we, we always have a good time. 
I think it's funny how whenever anyone talks to you, they can't help but ask about Gouda. And if you ever hear the name Sarah Jansen, it's now synonymous with Gouda. It's Sarah and Gouda. It's not just Sarah. <laughs> that, that's what I've that's what I've discovered. Have you noticed that? Because you go to you go through your story about family coming to visit. You're hosting Thanksgiving. And it ends with, well, Gouda and I are hosting Thanksgiving. Oh, no, I said we're hosting, so I mean, it's his house too. Not really, Dad. It's really my house. I'm the boss of my house. Just kidding. Um, no, uh, it's. It, I mean, he's 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 my he's my my only child. Um, possibly, possibly getting another cheese head in the spring. We'll see. Wait, what? Yeah, what, um, possibly adding a member to the family. A four-legged member to the family, just to uh, clarify. Another dog. Yes. Yes. I just think that you shouldn't have to grow up to be, like, being an only child. Growing up in a big family, we had so much fun, so I just don't want, I don't want Gouda to feel like he's, he he's, doesn't get the full Jansen experience. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Take him to the doggy daycare more frequently. No, like uh, he he goes there plenty. He was uh, he does have a doggy daycare. They're fantastic. If anybody's in Charlotte, Plain Stay Pet Resort, they're family owned. Um, they probably take better care of him than I do, if that's even possible. He's spoiled rotten, um, so he he's uh, he's he's well taken care of. But I mean, that's like I mean he hangs out with Bella there. Yeah. So you had a you had a life changing event, I hear. Well, right. I know you did. Yeah. Talk to t- tell us about about your four-legged. Um, You're asking addition. the questions. Is I, this, I am. Is that not fair? Is that? Are you trying to flip this interview on me? Well, I just thought it would be a good segue so that you could we could learn a little bit about about Phil. You're there, you're always the one. Learn? You're always the one asking the questions. I think it's only fair that that people. I the get people, paid to ask the questions. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, tell us about. Tell, tell us, us about tell us Bella. about Bella. Uh, Let's see. I've had her for a little over a month now. She is a cutie pie. Absolutely adorable. And uh, she likes to play with Gouda. Yes. And I went to pick her up at the doggy daycare the other day, and they said, hold on, you have to wait a few minutes because she is out back sprinting around and jumping in the pool with Gouda. <laughs> and... Um, she likes to jump around and play and eat a lot of treats, and we're learning fetch. Not quite at fetch yet, uh, but yeah, she's like a 55-pound hound, maybe a little lab in there. We got to figure it out, one-year-old rescue. She's a cutie. Yeah, what made you decide to pull the trigger and and get a pop? It's a big responsibility. I, well, I know I, because I talked about how big of a responsibility it was for you. Right, and if I remember, luckily for me, I don't have to train her. She's already house trained. True, but if I remember, we haven't correctly, had any accidents yet. That's fantastic. Yet, about five weeks in. That's pretty good. It's only that long. Yeah. So, I mean, I know I don't get any sleep. So every day, uh, she sleeps in the crate next to my bed. Oh, you got her in the it. crate. We're working on it. Okay. Every night. Every night. Wow. And about 6, 6.30 every morning, if I'm not up yet, sometimes I am, depending on the day. Sometimes I'm not. Say 75% of the time I'm not. She wakes me up. She starts crying or tapping on the crate. And then we go take the long lap for about 25 minutes around the neighborhood. So this morning to record this interview, I had to wake up an extra like 45 minutes early 
to take the dog out. What are you talking about? It's like 9 a.m. It's not that early, is it? Well, I have other things to do before I come. Oh, right, I gotta, right, right. Okay. I got to prep questions. <laughs> oh, yeah, you got to be broadcasting prepared. doesn't broadcasting <laughs> doesn't do itself. Right. Questions don't form themselves. Information doesn't get taught to you by itself. You have to learn these things. You have to spend time, prepare your notes. Okay, so you've tell, called games with me. Your your normal routine. My normal routine yes. as a broadcaster. No, with Bella. With Bella. Yeah, oh. since the game changer. Since the game changer, my normal routine. How has she changed your life? I have to wake up earlier. <laughs> now, wait a minute. I said good. It made me a better person. And you led with, you just have to wake up early. That's. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I never thought that uh, a dog would do it for me like this. Um, but every day when I come home from the office, you've done games with me before for the men's basketball regional. You know how hectic and stressful broadcasting can be, how the clock is ticking, just like it is for you as a coach and for the players on the court. It's moving for us. And there's a sense of urgency that needs to be had. And there's a lot of running around and moving parts and trying to coordinate to get a lot of people working on the same page. And um, it can be stressful, and it doesn't always work so well. And so – the product that the parents and the friends and family and the Queens fans at home watch is not at all uh, – there, there's a lot behind the scenes. Let's put it that way, right? In your case, they see games. In our case, they only see the games. And instead of taking that home anymore, when I get home and I see her, it's totally different. My attitude I, – I forget about the office. I forget about work. And – I forget about whatever mistake happened during a broadcast. Whoa, you that's not possible. You make mistakes? I make mistakes. Wow. I don't know that I believe that one. You don't. Okay. <laughs> well, you, you So you're, you're, we're going to keep going here. Well, yeah, I have, I have another question because okay. everybody you said I'm synonymous with Gouda. They hear people hear my name, they think Gouda. But that might be a bit of a stretch. However, when people hear your name, pizza. Uh oh. Pizza Phil. Well, you know Talk what's funny. You know what's funny is that when they hear your name, they don't say pizza. No, they don't. Even though you claim to make better pizza than me. Now I've never tried mm. your pizza. Well, but I'll we'll have to have one of those like pizza off things, and you see who makes better pizza at some point. But bring I it into the I, office I've, and have everybody. We'll have your team try the pizza. Uh, I, I well, I've 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 made pizza for and pizza is important every friday growing up and and my friends in high school um we would have pizza in our house every friday homemade pizza my mom made the every what do you think an italian family in new york did well i know that's what i know from my what my pizza experience was growing up so i would like for you to to share with everybody what what pizza really means to all right let me let me give you an idea of what pizza means to me okay so one day um I, uh, there, there's a pizzeria back home, Gino's. Sal, the father, owns it, uh, used to own it. He still works there occasionally, one or two days a week. He's probably in his 80s now, straight off the boat from Italy. His son, John, has owned it for years now. John just opened up another uh, uh, second place in uh, West Islip or West Babylon, out by where uh, some of your family, I think, lives yeah, on Long Island. Yeah, Yeah, okay. I think Babylon is right near there. Yeah. Um, and... 
my parents have been going to the same pizzeria since they moved to my town, Farmingdale, 30-some-odd years ago. And they, they know John. John is almost 50. They know John since he was a 14-year-old kid sweeping the floors for his dad at, at the pizzeria. So there's very few places in life that you can call up. They're very old school. For a while, they didn't take credit cards. For a while, they didn't do deliveries. They stick, they strict almost, uh, stick almost strictly to pizza. They don't mess around with the other stuff. Huh. There's very few places that you could call up, say, hey, I want a place in order you know, to pick up or to go. I know they don't have caller ID because I know the people that work there. <laughs> and John answers the phone and goes, hey, Phil, it's John, by the sound of my voice. That's what pizza means to me. That's impressive. Did you deliver for a little bit? Not at that place. Okay. So everybody has a friend whose dad uh, or grandfather owns a place. If, if you grow up on Long Island or in the greater New York area, everybody knows a guy. But especially at pizza, everybody knows a guy. And so uh, Domenico's Pizzeria was owned by my friend Sal's grandpa, Dominic. And uh, basically it was a rotation. Like all our group of friends were off the books, and whoever was free that day showed up and delivered pies. So, yeah, I showed up and I delivered pies a few times. Everybody did. What, was that did part they, of the culture. Did they pay you in pies? Well, you, you I mean, you got dinner, yeah, but yeah, they paid you, like, you know, actual cash. You oh, know? cash and pizza? Cash. Wow. Pe- cash. People don't know what that is anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it, so it, yeah, so when I moved when I moved down south, so you go off of a few years of living away in college, then I moved down south, and a few years of living down south, and all of a sudden it finally hit me, probably after a good eight years of that, with very limited time, maybe more, uh, very limited time back in New York, it hit me like I miss pizza, mm. and so I started to search for the best pizza in Charlotte. And you and I started talking. I found out that you were a big uh, pizza lover. Yes. Um. The fact of the matter is, back home, you can get great slices readily available on any corner. Here, I have to drive 25 minutes and seek out the two or three best places that essentially are equivalent to average back home. Right, as close as you can get. So I just started making it. I said, forget about it. I'm making it. And and it's not a, like, this is a process to, to make the, I mean... It's not like you go home and decide you're going to make pizza and no, you have to 45 plan. minutes later you You have it. to plan days in advance because ideally, after you make the dough, it sits in the fridge for 48 hours. Right. Ideally. Right. And you shared, you gave me a peel. I gave you a peel. Right. How's that working for you? Um, I, I, I've better the last time I did it um, much better. Except I was trying to flatten the dough, press the dough out on the peel. Uh, and it was uh, going pressing a little too firm, so it got stuck. Didn't matter how much. Got to sprinkle the cornmeal in there. I had too I much. You? Yeah, but I had too much cornmeal, so oh, I was pressing down too hard, it. so it would get stuck to the peel. But the last time I did it, I didn't uh, work the dough quite as firmly into the. All I'm the saying peel. is that if you come over to the Constantinos, my parents were here not too long ago, maybe a week or so ago. Sunday dinner with the Constantinos, we don't mess around. All right. Okay, we well, I, and I've been in the South long enough where I know what a a Southern family Sunday dinner looks like. What so does, everything like that, think about how big the uh, people in the South, how, how into their Sunday dinners they are. Yes. What, whatever it is that they make. And they just put tomato sauce on everything. Well, I, I don't think that you guys are having <laughs> mac and cheese up there. No, we're having. Okay. What, uh, what, what's you know, on the table on Sunday? So, like last Sunday was, 
uh, whenever I think it was last Sunday, my parents were here, um, and you're cooking the whole day. You, you know, this is not a this stuff takes hours. You right, get, you right. get the pot of the meatballs, the sausage, the ribs. You know, it takes the whole day. So you have ribs that. Ribs too, huh? Oh, that's where all the flavor comes. The pork okay. adds all the flavor. Everybody okay. knows that. Have you seen Goodfellas? Everybody knows the pork <laughs> adds the flavor. And so you have that. Uh, a little chicken on the side. You, know, you got to be healthy. I got to be able to give something off the table to the dog and mix right. it into her bowl. See, so, so now life-changing. You're, life-changing. You're making your dinners now around your dog. And then uh, we had a pizza. We had two pies, actually. We had a... A uh, chicken and roasted pepper pie, and okay. a uh, uh, one was half hot Italian sausage. The other one was just half regular. It's regular. It's not cheese or That's plain. Right. It's I regular. Yeah, I got that. Okay. I got Good. that. Regular pizza. And then a bowl of rigatoni. That's it. We're carb loading. <laughs> there was no uh, bread on the side of that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, okay. Yeah. yeah. Come on. There you go. That's a given. That's not, <laughs> that's not a question. And the Italians, you rip the bread. You don't, you rip it off. You just rip it off, and you dip it in your sauce, and you eat it. Right. Okay, so so tell talk to everybody about why, and I think you've probably asked this question a lot. Um, I know you've asked me. I know you've asked players. Um, why Queens? Like, what brought you to the South? Culture shock, to say the least, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, what brought you to Queens? What did you see about it? Um, and then also, if you could talk about, too, the, where the, the Queens Sports Network has mm-hmm. – the, the growth, I think, has been – Unbelievable! I know you got new how graphics long, this year. How long do you have? Uh, well, I mean, it's About it's 20 minutes. it's your it's your broadcast podcast. Excuse me, that I took over. So so t- talk just to us about my show. Yeah, I mean, tell everybody about about what what brought Phil to Queens and. So I moved to Charlotte. Um, I was actually after college. I was working up at uh, IMG in Winston Salem. Uh, that's now Learfield IMG, and I was hosting for a bunch of collegiate regional sports networks around the country Uh, most people don't know all the local radio broadcasts they're basically centered out of two buildings uh, Learfield's building in Jefferson City Missouri and IMG College's building in Winston-Salem North Carolina they've now merged so it's one company there are a couple of other players in the business but that's the big company and so that's what I was doing I was living in Charlotte and driving up to Winston-Salem all the time because I had some friends from college that had already moved to Charlotte, and then my roommate from college had also um, taken a job at ESPNU down in Ballantyne, so I continued to live with him here. And I was actually on the side caddying over at Quail Hollow, and about three weeks into caddying there, I met a kid on the golf team who, it was his first day, and he was actually now learning from me. I was three weeks into being there. I'd done a ton of loops. He's learning from me. And he starts talking all about Queens and being on the golf team at Queens. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's that school that has the sign on 77 when I go down to Tyvola Tryon that way and uh, go to the driving range. Mm -hmm. He said, yeah, that's us. I'd never heard of Queens University of Charlotte before. I'd ever heard of, only ever heard of Queens College in New York. Right. Grow up 20 minutes from there. And so... During that process um, of doing the studio hosting stuff for, at the time I was doing Air Force and uh, Michigan hockey and eventually was doing Arizona, Georgia Tech football, did some Michigan football games. It was a lot of fun. Those are big-time broadcasts. You're on, at times, in front of hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people. Um, Some of our broadcasts aired on on national radio networks such as Sirius XM. It seemed great. I was enjoying it. I wasn't doing play-by-play. I wasn't calling games, and that was my favorite thing to do. 
So I emailed a lot of schools looking for opportunities. Uh, the only Division II school that I emailed was Queens. Everything else was FCS-level Division One or FBS-level Division One. Uh, just looking for something, any sport. And Queens got back to me. This was I, I thought basketball season was beyond uh, the realm of possibility. I was looking more toward the spring, lacrosse, baseball. I didn't play lacrosse, but I grew up in New York. I know the sport. Not many people down here know it as well as I do, and so I could broadcast it. And I got an email back from Queens uh, from Fee, my current supervisor, who said, we've got a last-minute opening right now. Want to come do our home games? And so my first thought was I didn't even know Division II gave scholarships. I didn't know anything about Division II athletics. I'd done a couple Division III games on local radio, um, Lycoming College and Albright College was the doubleheader I did uh, back in Pennsylvania when I was in school at Penn State. But my background was all major college athletics. I didn't know anything about Division II. And so I remember the moment where it hit me, where I was like, wow, this is big-time stuff, was when I came to a couple practices, um, and Coach Lundy and I met in his office to go over the roster. Stuff like you and I still do to this mm-hmm. day before every season. And I'm looking at the roster, and I'm going through players, and he goes, yeah, that kid, Jacoby Davis, he played at Mississippi State. He played in the Jordan Brand game. And then he goes, oh, Dan Camps, Northern Kentucky transfer. He, uh, he's been in the Sports Center top ten twice. And I'm like, wow, okay, this is actually this is, this is big-time stuff. There are real <laughs> players here. And, and I'd go to practice. I'd watch these guys. This isn't no joke. of This is some talented basketball. And he goes, Marquise Rankin? Oh, yeah, a couple, a couple of recruiting services had him as the number one point guard in the country coming out of high school. It just didn't work out. He transfers back home to Charlotte. And those guys were all on the roster here at Queens. And that's when it, when it hit me. Division II athletics as a whole is a completely underrated, unheralded level that I think deserves so much more love than it gets. And I'm glad to see in the age of growing media, especially on the digital side, uh, internet and such, that there are more and more outlets that seem to be covering it. Even though it's less in the mainstream than it used to be, probably not going to see any NBA draft picks out of Division Two. not if a couple of the people out of the last few years, including Todd Withers, didn't get drafted. Probably not going to see that anytime soon. Um, and just so but it's still covered more probably than I remember as a kid. Plug for um, for Todd, mm-hmm. just so if, if people aren't aware, he did get picked up. He has a roster spot with the Detroit Pistons. Very nice. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, that's. I mean, that, and that's is is Todd the first Todd if I Todd were, Todd is the first in Queens history to ever sign. Uh, with an NBA team, any kind of contract of any kind, summer league, training camp, anything. and But that's an example of it. Right. And, and and people always say, Phil loves Todd. I, I, I've <laughs> always been very fond of Todd because when I was just a part-time broadcaster showing up to practice, Todd is – he can really be a sweetheart of a guy. And he would go out of his way to say hello to me and talk to me and um, just build a relationship with me. He was the first ever student athlete here that I ever got to know. Um, so that's great news for Todd, and, I, and I've always I'll be cheering for Todd, you know, every day that he's playing for you know in life I'll be cheering for Todd. Um, but but that's how that's how it uh, that's how I ended up here, and I just discovered the facilities, the campus, the location, 
and then and then just the success across the board. Um, initially, just working with the men's basketball program, but now working with all of the programs, it's a goldmine. And, and I was, I think, fortunate enough to have the opportunity to kind of be just thrust into it. And so I've kind of taken it as my own personal crusade uh, with some of my friends in the local media that, that come out to cover us uh, in, in my role as, as a media relations uh, director for the men's team. Um, but in my role as a representative of the athletic department, as a broadcaster and else and otherwise, um, it's my own personal crusade to try and educate others about what happens at this level and what happens at this school in this athletic department. Because, uh, I mean, this this college as, as, as a whole, its enrollment is significantly smaller than the enrollment of the high school I went to. Mm-hmm. It's easy to get swallowed up in the 16th biggest city in the country in a top 20, 25 media market. That's easy to get swallowed up. And so uh, I, I think it's a it's a kind of a hidden gem. It's a hidden gold mine. And when you, when you started with Queens, um, that was before the addition of five sports. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it was much smaller. Right. Yeah. And, and so you went from, and I just remember, no, the, the, the basketball broadcast with the one camera up top. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what other additions have you seen during your, during well, the, your tenure? The broadcast one, I mean, there's facilities uh, that have been added, mm-hmm. um, improvements in strength and conditioning and sports medicine and and just overall just everything Uh, i think the broadcast has been probably the biggest difference though uh and and the media operation as a whole we've changed over our website we have an app now is totally different uh, than everything when i first got here and the the broadcast got built out. I, I was still a part-timer. Uh, year two I was here, and I remember the men had the shot to host the regional, and they ultimately did. And I remember thinking, well, we've got this grainy, not-so-good one camera. You, you remember your yeah, first year, yeah. the first the first half of the season roundabout, right. uh, what the broadcast looked like. And I talked with Fee and eventually talked with Sherry, our athletic director, and said, we need to do something here. And so I worked with some folks on campus, Tim Dixon, who's been a huge help to me. I, I cannot thank yeah. him enough for, for everything he's done, and he does so much for all of us here at the school, um, the media services team lead. Tim and I built it out. And so, and, and every day I sit there thinking not just how can I improve as a broadcaster, but how can I improve the broadcast? I can't watch a game at home without thinking, How's that graphic moving? How, what kind of transitions are mm-hmm. they using? What camera shots are they switching between? How many cameras do they have? Where are the camera angles? Those are all things that I think about that I've used here to try and improve our broadcasts on a smaller scale with a lower budget. How do we make it happen? And so um, we have gone from um, a not-so-good broadcast after years of hard work and I, and I thank all the people that that have worked directly with me to do it that's that's Brett Williams, Julia Allsbrook, all of those people. Um Holly who uh, Van Curen who's still works with us who I know has worked with your program before mm-hmm. in building it out. Uh, TJ Spry is another name I can't uh, not mention. In building out from just one camera and a little score bug that didn't even <laughs> sometimes didn't update properly right. to uh to what it is now, which is, I believe, one of the best uh, broadcast operations, not just in our conference, but nationally in Division Two, 
and I believe it's very competitive with a lot of mid-level to higher-tier Division One, and, and a lot of people have told me such. Yeah, so. I, I think it's really cool, and that, that to me is a perfect example of um, – for you, you talked about it a little bit about people that don't know much, if anything, about Division Two. You talked about the scholarships. Um, I think from a resource standpoint, there's a, a pretty significant difference. My experience has been at the Division Two level. The more people that you can find, like yourself, that took something and just ran with it and made it your own. That, to me, is the essence of what Division Two is all about. And you didn't do it for selfish reasons. Um, I, I do think I do know enough about you to know there's a little bit of competitor in you. So and there always is. Yeah. I so you be the best. And, and you saw the product that you had and wanted to find a way to make it better to enhance it um, personally. But then, uh, and I don't know enough about broadcasting. I'm out of my lane here. Um, but I think your approach that you take to the broadcasting, um, especially at this level, I don't know that there's many, uh, many people doing what you do as far as walking the halls and getting to know the student athletes. What, what, why is that important to you and, and what you, what you strive to do? That's the only way I can properly tell the story. I mean, in the end, there are almost 700 student athletes here. The vast majority of which we have to do broadcasts for. You only get so far by rattling off the information provided in a website bio, and you only you only give so much depth to them as a human being by doing that. Uh, the best broadcasters and the best broadcasting is storytelling. And so the only way for me to access the stories is to build a relationship with people like you, your assistants, your players. Even athletic trainers, I talk to them. I get to, It gives me context to um, when someone is injured, how might that be treated? Uh, how long the timetable might be? All of that helps. I, I talk to compliance. I, t- I talk to everybody because all of that gives me an idea and an understanding about what I'm doing. But specifically the student athletes, um, it also makes the job more fun. <laughs> I, 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 I tell people um, all the time that, uh, I even in year one and year two when the wins hadn't yet come, your program was one of my favorite to be a part of, and I and I've I can't say that there's a program here that I don't enjoy being a part of, but it's because there was there was an energy and an attitude from your players that was kind of infectious, that that wore off, and uh, I I remember Christian Eanes made a comment to you back during one of maybe her freshman year five-win season, and she said, and I know it's going to get better. She made that same comment to me. And I couldn't help uh, but want to ingrain myself more with your program and and get to and want to get to know those kids more and want to do better by them. Um, I've learned very quickly that uh, you, get into, you get into broadcasting because you love sports. You learn that to really develop your craft, you have to love the art form of communication. But when you work with a team, you also learn uh, that you have to love the people you do it with or it's not going to be fun. And you have to love the teams that you do it with. And so um, when you guys suffer a, a tough loss, that is as gut-wrenching for me as it is for you. And, and I, don't, I don't know that even you or your players understand that. Uh, there have been days, like, I'll, 
I remember a specific game last year at Catawba. Close game. You had the lead, lose it late, and you lose a close one. Right. Not to bring up a a bad moment. But um, that game, I remember sitting there the whole first half of the men's game right after with just this knot in my stomach. I I couldn't believe that happened, and, and, and and I didn't want that to happen. And um, the men won on this. Kenny Dye hits a buzzer beater. The men, big upset, road win. Or not upset, big uh, ranked yes, opponent, road yes. win. Uh, huge. They, they trailed most of the game, somehow right. win. And even still after the game, I couldn't get out of my mind the three straight possessions down the stretch in your game. That And, and that was what I, I couldn't let that go. And so I, I think over time – in order to enjoy the games and enjoy my job, I've learned to become a fan of the teams just as much as um, a promoter of the teams. And so I um, I keep it professional. I'm very big on tell the story as objectively as possible. I think that most people, if they listen to this podcast, they would not they would not at all think that no, Phil doesn't truly actually believe that during the games. He doesn't. Act, he he doesn't think that way. Um, but yeah, no, I I do. I I, I want to win as badly as you well, guys do the- because I know how I I'm there every day. I've been to your early morning workouts. I I know the struggle that you guys go through, and I know how hard it is. I've seen it firsthand. And, and I think that that is <laughs> feeling that way. I think is is the result of being invested in something. Um, and I, I don't know, again, I don't know enough about broadcasting and how other people may or may not do it. Um, but the fact that you are invested in the student athletes, um, um, I think is what, what sets your broadcast and, and the Queen Sport Network, uh, apart from, apart from all the others is your approach to it and how you do it. And I think that that is a, um, uh, I think Queens is, uh, we are lucky to have you. Um, and what you've been able to do, I think, for the university, for uh, for our student athletes, for the athletic department, just getting Queens out there. So we are Queens University of Charlotte, not Queens New York. And, and coming from a, uh, I, I sh- probably shouldn't call you a Yankee, but coming from yeah. the north okay. um, nice. down here, um, I think being able to, it's kind of ironic that we have somebody that knows of Queens College mm-hmm. coming down here and helping spread the word about um, the real Queens, maybe we can, uh, I don't know, Queens University of Charlotte, um, getting our name out here. The more successful Queens. Yeah. <laughs> Queens <laughs> College is a Division II school. Yes, they are. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I do know they've had a – They haven't win, been they've top had a good 10 women's... in the Learfield, though. No, they have not. They have not. I know they have a, they, uh, a pretty good history of women's basketball. I shouldn't speak. Program. I have some friends that work in that department. but. <laughs> well, I mean, it's uh, – I, I, I mean, how many other schools in the country have the same – almost same name of their college? That's – that makes it kind of which queens yeah uh and i i will say even um i think in the in charlotte um i think we're getting to starting to get a little bit more momentum um pe- the attitude better recognition. and the knowledge yep. the recognition that's a great way to put it is so much different and more developed and more understood um than it was five years ago this is my fifth season now yeah i predate yeah. i predate you here yeah so. yeah yeah, I mean, and I think too the um, one of the cool things that I noticed this even when I came down, um, when I came down on my official visit, um, the the one of the cool things to me was the city buses that have 
are wrapped in the Queens. Mm. Um, uh, those buses are going all over the city, getting our name out there. Um, and, and I think the more people that we can actually get on campus, it's, it's just like with recruiting. Um, you're, you're recruiting um, viewers and, and anybody that we can get to kind of get on campus, listen to us, listen, listen to your product, watch the product that's on the field court. I mean, everything from softball to rugby to um, swimming. I mean, we, we have it all um, and, and at a really, really high level. Uh, mm-hmm. Five consecutive national championships for our swim programs. I mean, that's unbelievable. That's pretty good. Um, and so we're, 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 we're getting there. And I think you're, you're helping lead the charge as far as getting, getting a Queens, the recognition that it deserves. So thank you. I, I appreciate, appreciate you. Thank you. Um, I, I know, appreciate the kind words. I know our, our program does. And I, I know that, 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 that the other, uh, other coaches in the athletic department appreciate you too. Thank you. This took a turn. Well, I mean, I'm all out of questions, I think. You've uh, run me out of time. <laughs> Nobody's going to listen to an hour and a half podcast if I go back to my three pages of notes that I have for you. Oh, that's okay. We have to save them for another time. We'll do more interviews soon. <laughs> do you know how to close this now? No, that I don't know. I, I don't know. I just, I just like drop the mic. That's all I got. I don't know how to, how to wrap up or any of that. I'll, I'll leave that to you. Well, that does it for episode 12 of the Queens Coaches Show podcast. Well, the first time we had an interviewee step into the interviewer role, head women's basketball coach Sarah Jansen. Thank you so much, and I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you, Phil. A reminder to follow Queens Athletics on Twitter and Instagram, and on Facebook, it's Queens Royals. For all the latest information from the Department of Athletics, including the Queens Sports Network, that's on queensathletics.com. For Coach Jay, I'm Phil. Thanks for joining us on Episode 12 of the Queen's Coaches Show podcast.